0: Hi, this is Dominic Kearns with the Rising As One podcast. Before we begin, I'd love to thank several sponsors. I'd like to thank the Beautiful Game Network first. You can find all their stuff at bgn.fm. They're responsible for getting many great USL podcasts out, so please give them a look. Also go to firebirdsoccer.net. This is the new website for our former Firebird Rising coverage. So you can find all sorts of great coverage for Phoenix Rising FC and other soccer-related news in the state of Arizona, all at firebirdsoccer.net. And lastly, we would like to thank Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is a uh, sponsor for, you know, MLS teams, USL teams, all sorts of other stuff. So go to Roughneck Scarves and find a scarf today. And now let's get on to the show. Hello, this is Dominic Kearns with the Rising As One podcast, and I'm joined today by Jeff Went and Kyle Mackey. How are you guys doing?
1: I'm doing good today, Dominic. Uh, in- interesting uh, what we saw over the weekend, but, uh, you know, we got business taken care of and we'll move forward. Yeah,
2: yeah. Was, I mean, there was uh, fewer goals than on the previous Dollar Beer Nights, but, I mean, it was still... a uh... Still an exciting match. And I mean, yeah, we were, you know, able to get the result. And that's what really matters. Still a perfect
0: record on Dollar Beer Nights. So if every night's a Dollar Beer Night, we're just always going to be winners, right?
2: Yeah. That's true. That logic so far. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Uh, CC Sam Dorr. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Do you want us to win? Then every playoff match better be Dollar Beer Night. (laughs) Yeah. Um,. But yeah, let's uh, let's get into that match. It ended 1-0 to Phoenix Rising against Sounders 2 and Jeff. Was there much to talk about in that first half?
1: No, there wasn't really a whole lot to talk about. I mean, you know, the, the big obviously points, you know, bef- before we get into the first half, you know, no Kavan Lambert in the lineup, which obviously forced a change in formation. They kind of went to a 4-4-2 diamond uh, look. With uh, James Musa being the only guy sitting back, you know, in that defensive midfield, uh, you know, Billy Forbes comes into the lineup, kind of takes Kevon Lambert's, you know, position per se there, uh, you know, moves Gladson Awako out to the to the right hand side, and uh, you know, just a lot of the first half was a lot of just they they couldn't seem to connect a lot of passes together. You know, and there was a lot of switching of players back and forth. I mean, you saw Billy Forbes would go to the left and then he would go to the right and switch with Johnson and then he'd go back to the left again. And, you know, I I get that they're trying to find, you know, things that work, you know, but it just I I don't know. It just this was one of those nights where. You know, three or four passes couldn't get put together. It couldn't get anything going in that final third to really, you know, make a conceded effort in this first half. You know, you go back and look at things. You know, early free, uh, early corner kick in the 11, Cortez gets a header on it that goes over the top. Get another corner kick in the in the 22nd. If uh, gets an attempt on it, but it gets blocked. You know, Billy Forbes just misses on the back post on a corner kick in the 42nd minute. Uh, you, you interspersed a couple of attempts from from uh, uh, Wingo from Sa- from Sounders too, just missing, you know, a couple of shots there. But for the most part, it was just a kind of a blase first 45 minutes. I mean, they got through it nil nil. And I mean, you wonder if the hangover from Fresno was still there or if it just something just was troubling them with Seattle that they couldn't figure out that first half.
2: I mean, I kind of think that it was a bit of a hangover. And, I mean, I think they were maybe still a little shell-shocked from that Fresno match. And, I mean, I think the biggest thing was they didn't want to make a mistake. And some guys were maybe playing a little more tentatively than we're used to seeing them, especially at home. We're so used to, you know, having them come out with a hot start at home. And that we didn't really see that. Um, Like you said, Jeff, I think Billy Forbes and his... His changing of his positioning, I think it kind of worked against him and prevented him from getting into the game and being able to, you know, make those consistent runs down the wing that we're used to seeing out of him. Um, So, yeah, I mean, in the future, I'd like to see him, you know, kind of stay more on the on the side of the field and, uh, you know, be able to do more when he has the ball. Because I think I think that because he was not where he's used to being, his passing maybe wasn't as crisp and he just wasn't able to find the ball
0: and it's worth mentioning because we've seen this quite a bit this season another slow start usually these happen on the road we haven't seen this in the past as much at home this season but you know it does beg the question what needs to be done to get these guys coming out of the gate a little bit stronger because you know Sounders 2 isn't the kind of team that will make us pay for it they didn't hit any shots on target that entire match but against stronger opposition Even against a Fresno, uh, a start like that can put you behind the eight ball, and we're going to have to pick it up because we're playing at Rail Monarchs next week.
1: That's for sure. (laughs) I mean, if if we don't get off to a solid start next week, I mean, you you thought Fresno was bad. I mean, it, it could get worse.
2: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think Monarchs is one of those teams that I don't know what the stat is, but whenever I see their games, they usually have a goal. And I feel like in the first fifteen to twenty-five minutes. So if if Phoenix comes out flat, like you said, it could really hurt us. But I think I think we'll you know take this week and learn from the past two games and hopefully uh, have a hot start.
0: One would hope. Uh, thankfully, things did get going a lot quicker in the second half. So Jeff, do you want to take us through some of that?
1: Yeah, let's get into the second half and. Obviously, right off the bat, Jason Johnson gets uh, gets onto a ball and just slots one just over the top of the bar. And that was a really good early chance to kind of get the team get the team fired up to get moving in that second half to get down there so quickly and to do that. Uh, you know, in the 49th minute, Amadou Dia gets a weak shot off. The Brown grabs uh, nice nice uh, interaction here in the 51st minute. Uh, Musa gets the ball to Johnson and brown makes a nice save on that one uh and then Awako tries to get it to cortez but cortez can't quite get it hard enough on net and brown gets an easy grab on it but that was a nice little interaction there uh with Musa to johnson that was a nice ball that went through and uh you know johnson just unable to to get it in the back of the net um and then uh uh you know you get a little bit further into the second half you know you get to the the 56th minute they had a nice corner kick where uh cortez got a header on it but it was just uh you know brown made a good save on it it was right into his chest and then you know a minute later right after that you get the s2 back pass defensive mistake uh you know and who's there to pounce on it but chris cortez is able to just uh, lob it over the top of brown and it goes right into the back of the net for a one nothing lead and you know finally you know you I think you could feel a collective sigh of relief, you know, in the crowd, you know, just from the fact that God, we finally got one against these guys. Why did it take us so long? But you know, Hey, take something as simple as a defensive mistake to get things going. Yeah. Yeah. It was a big sigh of relief. I was in
2: the supporter section and I mean, it was, it seemed really tense, especially at halftime. And I think the way we started that second half, was really good i mean those opportunities we had i think got the crowd going but it was still i think everyone was kind of wondering when are we going to get this goal because we just didn't have the opportunities that we're used to last night so uh yeah i mean that and it was a great chip by cortez i mean when i saw it i was like oh geez this is i mean a great opportunity for him and just to have the composure in that situation to to you know get it over the goalie but not too much to put it over the net you know it was just it was a great chip by him and uh yeah i mean it was I was very pumped when I saw that.
0: Yeah, and I don't know if it was a bad back pass. I think it was just a long ball by Musa, um, kind of just hoping something would work because we've seen that in a lot of matches. But, you know, one of the big things that Cortez brings is his height and his ability to win a lot of those long balls. Um, we were wondering when Drogba would be out for a couple months, how are we going to deal with that? Because that's usually what Drogba does so well. But Cortez has shown many a time that he can win those long balls off of goal kicks, whether it's playing it back to another teammate, whether it's creating something himself. And that's, you know, just by being there, just by fighting for that ball, he creates chaos and uh, kind of um, like mishit by the defender as they're battling for the ball. And he reacts first to it, gets in a great spot. And I love the instinct. I love the instinct he has there because it would have been so easy to... You know, get a little bit rushed and, you know, try to round the keeper or just blast it right at the keeper. Do something like that. But in that situation, especially because Cortez is the fastest guy, that's probably your best chance to score. It's just lob the keeper, especially with him being outside of the box so he can't use his hands to block the ball. And, you know, perfect timing, perfect weight on that. And it was such a big lift. Um, I mean, Cortez has scored our only two goals in the last four matches. Where would we be without this guy?
1: Yeah, no kidding. That's nine now for number nine, who now sits just five away from setting a franchise record. Or I'm sorry, six away from setting a franchise record for goals in a season. I know we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but, you know, you got to you got to like, with the number of games remaining, you know, Chris's chances for trying to set that, that club record, you what? know, at fif-
0: at 15, so... And especially when he's in the form he's in because, okay, maybe some of the goals early in the season were, all right, there's a tap in and he puts it in, or like it was set up by a really nice cross and he just has to be in the right spot. But you look at these last two goals, he really has to be in form to score either of those. Uh, The goal against Orange County, it is a nice pass, but he has to stretch out with his left foot, put it into the corner. That's a goal scorer's goal. If you're not in form, you will not put that in. Zero percent chance. And the same thing with this goal. You have to be in form. You have to be confident. As a goal scorer, you have to be confident in your ability to chip the keeper because we saw at the very end of the match, um, Kevon Freder just hasn't had the same opportunities to play. And so he didn't have that same confidence to chip the keeper, and that allowed him to get back into position and make a save. So I think, yeah. I think that goes to show, like, just you're seeing Chris Cortez in form that we've never seen him in, And, yeah, this and he's saving us right
1: now. Yeah, he, he he is saving us. That is that is for sure. We'll move on to some more highlights in the second half. Sixty-first uh, minute. What a you know a nice play that almost you know made made it two nothing. Was that Johnson header back to Awaka, who just smacks one? That would have been another one of those goal, uh, Sports Center type goals. Had he had he got it on frame, but it just just missed about a, I'd say about a foot over the top. But it was a it was an, a a nice header back to him. Uh, then you talked about Freighter getting into the game. Well, Freighter comes in in the 62nd minute for for uh, uh, Billy Forbes, and then uh, 67th minute ever. Evan Waldrop comes on for Gladstone Awako. That was a little bit of an interesting sub there, but, you know, again, giving Evan another good 20-minute run here to see how, you know, things kind of go. Um, then uh, Cortez gets subbed out in the 89th for for Devontae Um And then, you know, you talked about that play at the end of the game with Freider in the 94th minute, one-on-one with Callie Brown. And, you know, like you said, you know, if if you're on form, Freighter knows what to do with that ball. Unfortunately, he kicked it right into Callie Brown's face, chest, area. It, lo- it
0: looked like his right foot, or his left foot, and he he was able to make a save with his foot.
1: Yeah, made, made a save, knocked it out, you know, got a corner for it, but obviously, you know, time ran out at that point, so, you know, you, you come out with the one nothing victory. Like we said, you know, it wasn't the prettiest of one nothing victories, But it's three points. It was a very badly needed three points. You know, puts us back into second place in the Western Conference standings. So, I mean, and kind of gives you a little bit of momentum as you move forward to next week.
0: Right. Oh, yeah. Not a a, a sexy three points, but a very pragmatic three. And especially when you go through some of the scores, as we will later in this show, um, teams that were ahead in matches... Could not put their opponents away. Uh, Orange County was up, Sacramento were up, and you know both of them concede late goals. And so for us to just hang on, get those three points, and be solid, uh, puts us in a really good spot.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I think the energy around the team. You know, if if we had been coming off two straight losses, going up to Monarchs versus you know get being able to squeak out a, a one nil win against Sounders too, I think. You know they'll be positive, and you know it wasn't the prettiest win, but you know it doesn't have to be. We got the job done, and we can look forward to next week and uh, try to get ourselves in the first place.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, and let's get to next week then, because we have one of those matches that you circle on the calendar the moment the schedule gets released, july twenty eighth at Rail Monarchs. It'll be our first match in their new stadium, um, and, you know, one versus two in the Western Conference, it does not get more exciting than that. It does not, the stakes don't get much higher than that in the regular season, and Real Monarchs has kind of been our bogeyman the last couple of years. They beat us at yeah. there 2-0 last year. Uh, we got a 1-1 draw here last year, which, always a fun fact, the only match that Omar Bravo scored in for us. Uh, and then uh, we're able to, and then we lost one nil early in the season at home against Monarchs. So they've been a bogeyman, and this match means a lot.
1: Yeah, it does mean a lot. You know, you're looking at a club that's that hasn't lost a home game this year. They're eight zero and one. You know, in in their new building, uh, you know you know, most of the guys that are going to step up for him, Sebastian. So Velasquez, it's Chandler Hoffman, both of them lead the team in scoring six goals apiece. Uh, Kalen Ryden's got four goals for them. You know, they're getting goals from just about everywhere. You know, they, you know, Michael, Michael Chang is one of those guys that, that really is, you know, a, a a creator for them. He's got six assists on the season. Um, You know, so, I mean, you, you, know where, you know where things are coming from. That's, that's a one thing for sure. You know, they don't necessarily have a number one goalkeeper. I mean, between Jake Leaker and Connor Sparrow, the two of them have, have kind of split, you know, seeing time for the club. You know, 16 of the team's 19 uh, games they've played or 20 games they've played this year, you know, have been Leaker and Sparrow. And obviously, you know, they don't give up a lot of goals. I mean, Leaker's only given up eight goals in nine appearances. Sparrow's only given up five in seven. So, I mean, everybody knows how tough it is to score, you know, on Real Monarchs. However, San Antonio found a way to do that last night to the tune of four times. You know, uh, go figure that one out, that, that, you know, you're able to get four past a Monarchs team that just you know, all season is has been there. I mean and to give up on top of an own goal right off the bat to start. That was that was bad enough. Then you get a goal from Gordon in the twenty seventh. You get a goal from Guzman in the fifty sixth. You get a goal from Ward in the sixty eighth for San Antonio, you know, three huge points for them and we'll kinda of back that up when we get into the standings later on. But, you know, it kind of shows for once You know, maybe there is a little bit of a crack in the armor of Real Monarchs that you can exploit and hopefully find a way to beat them, you know, when you go up there on Saturday.
0: Yeah, quick thing check out the third goal in this match for San Antonio, Ever Guzman's incredible goal here. Um, I want to say, um, I don't remember who had the assists on that play, but there was a ball down the wing and that player was able to just beat the goalkeeper to it. And then he sends a, a rolled pass in the middle, and Guzman just um, one touches it, spins around a defender, and walks the ball into the goal. I mean, that's almost taunting uh, Monarchs as the ball was rolling into the goal. I mean, it's you gotta see it. It was just ridiculous. And then uh, a really good free kick goal by Charlie Ward in the 68th for them. But a trend I noticed too when I was looking up recent Monarch scores, They've had very strong defense against the, you know, mid-tier or lower teams in the Western Conference. But in matches against the good teams, they have struggled in the last month. They gave up three goals in a 3-2 defeat at Swole Park. They gave up three goals in a loss at Reno, a 3-0 loss at Reno. And then now you see them give up four to San Antonio. So I think if there's a little bit of silver lining, it's that the good offense is have been able to crack that code a little bit in the last 6 weeks the flip side of that is all of those were away matches for monarchs and now they're at home and at home they've been extremely stingy
1: yeah very stingy i mean I, you, like we said they, they haven't lost they haven't lost a match yet in in their new facility and you know i think that's something it seems like they are very, uh, very set on making sure that, that they keep that run going and, you know, f- hopefully you can find the right lineup to put together, you know, to run up there and, and, and see if, if some way we can find a couple of goals and see if we can find some way to get three points and come back and, and make it a big, you know, a big thing
0: they are actually on a run. I'm looking at this right now. They're on a run of five straight home shutouts, which I don't think I've even heard of. That's ridiculous. Granted, most of those were against teams towards the bottom of the West, not the strongest opposition, but to get five straight home shutouts is almost unheard of. Uh, they've done it against Sounders too against Fresno, against RGV, uh, against Sacramento Republic, and Fresno again. So, actually, three of those five matches are not terrible opposition. So, we are going to have to get a lot of energy and a lot of leadership from guys like uh, like Solomon Asante, like Chris Cortez, like uh, Billy Forbes, who finally got in the starting lineup, and potentially... Didier Drogba.
2: Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it's going to be a tough game. I mean, it, I I think all of us can agree that even to get a draw up there would be a good result for Phoenix. I mean, given Monarch's home form, I mean, yeah, five five home shutouts in a row um I mean, you're going to be near the top when you do that and I mean, there's a reason why they are, but I I think we have good chances. I mean, the only thing that concerns me is the past few games, they have just been 1-0 victories when we've been able to pull them out. But, um, I mean, I, as a player, I think that our team is going to be motivated. I mean, they they know this is their shot. The, the only people in the way of stopping them will be the Monarchs to get up to first place. So, I mean, th- this is the opportunity. Uh, it's there for them to take it.
0: So, do you guys want to get into match predictions here or, you know, potential starting lineups?
1: I don't think you change much of the starting lineup other than the fact you bring Kavon Lambert back in um, and probably Billy Forbes ends up going back to the bench again. You know, you're know, you going to have your, you know, either your 4-3-3 or you're going to have your 4-2-3-1 formation set up. Um, I like a 1-1 draw here. I mean, as much as I would love to see us get three points out of there, I, like you said, you're going up against a team that's got five straight shutouts in their building they haven't lost a game this year i uh, you know i will be happy with the draw and come out of there with a point that's for sure
2: yeah and i agree with you jeff except the one thing that worries me is their our lack of goal scoring and their ability to shut teams out i mean i wouldn't even be surprised if it's a stalemate a nil nil draw just with how i mean i know that our defense is going to try is going to be stingy and try not to give anything up and I think I think that we could keep them off the board, but for, for me, it's us being able to pull out a goal. Um, I mean, I would love to be proven wrong and for us to take a 1-0 or even a 1-1, but I mean, I just kind of see this as being a stalemate.
0: And um, I, I'm right there with you, um, Kyle, as far as us struggling to score a goal. Uh, the way that their defense has been at home, just absurdly stingy. Um, The only team that's gotten a result against them, ironically enough, was Las Vegas Lights in a nil-nil draw way earlier in the season. Um, But, I mean, I think that shows how tough they are up there. I think the altitude will be something that helps them a lot. Um, I'm going to say 1-0 loss to them because that's a team that seems to have our number. And, again, I would love to be proven wrong, but the only way we can score is either off a set piece or hitting them on a counter. And I, I don't know if we can do either of those things in this match. Um, but it's going to be an absolute battle. I I feel like this is going to feel like a playoff match. It's going to look like a playoff match where every opportunity will be so important.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I I think, I think it will be like that. And I think for that reason, no one's, no one's going to want to push forward to possibly give anything up. Um, I think it's it's it may start off, you know, a little slow just because everyone's going to be kind of feeling the game out and not want to give up an early goal. But like you said, I mean, it. I think a 1-0 no loss is also possible. It's definitely not what I would like. But, uh, I mean, yeah, this team, we just historically have not had great results against them. And, I mean, it's just due to the fact that they're a great club and um, traveling up there too will definitely uh, – definitely be a major factor
0: Uh, and maybe one last thing to talk about here because these are the two top teams in the west these are also the uh, second and third top teams overall in usl so you know in addition to home field advantage and that kind of stuff there's also the bragging rights and i think there's a trophy that goes along with being the top regular season team in usl and that's something that monarchs did last year that's something they will want to repeat with and for us to really stay in that conversation with fc cincinnati and monarchs we gotta we gotta get a win in this match and i i mean it's very possible but that's kind of the stakes uh because if we fall in this one i think we kind of have to take a deep breath and just try to focus on getting top two at
2: least
1: yeah totally agree with you there yeah
2: yeah i mean it's i think we got very lucky last night with the result of san antonio over monarchs i mean I don't think that'll happen many times, uh, this season. So yeah, it's, I mean, it is, this is going to be a huge game.
0: Definitely. Um, well, let's, let's go to some other USL scores. Uh, we have a couple matches today on Sunday, but a lot of matches yesterday that we should get to. So Jeff, why don't you take us through some of these besides yeah. the Renarch San Antonio shocker?
1: Yeah, let's go through some of the scores of the week. Obviously, kind of a lighter week on the Western Conference side. Uh, Wednesday night, Orange County got a 4-0 win over Swill Park Rangers. Uh, Thomas Ennevoltson got his 11th goal of the season. Uh, ties him now for the league lead in, in goal scoring uh, there to get the, the three points there. Um, some interesting things we'll talk about with Saturday's results. First, Colorado Springs got a 4-2 win at home against Tulsa. Orange County comes back after that 4 nothing win and gets a 2-2 draw on the road against St. Louis. Uh, you know, interesting match there. Uh,
0: one one sure. note on that match, if you don't mind. Um, yeah. We talked last week about Luis Lopez being an impact signing for Orange County and could potentially have a, a positive impact on them. Um, this is not a match he will want to watch the film on. Both St. Louis goals... Uh, there were shots that he was able to get his hands on but he was not able to control Uh, the first goal when Orange County was up 1-0 a shot from the edge of the box he kind of gets his hands on it but it still rolls into the right corner and then after Orange County goes ahead a second time 79th minute this is a real ugly one for him Um, a shot that he parries to the side and then a rebound attempt not a ton of power and it squirts past his hands he tries to roll it towards himself with the ball near the, the goal line, and he was about to grab it, but then another player comes in and, and gets the rebound. So, um, you know, pretty poor stuff from a guy that you would expect more from. Uh, so helps us out in a big way. But, you know, if you're looking at Luis Lopez, whether as a Honduran uh, fan or just someone interested in USL, that's, uh, he really didn't play up to standard last night.
1: Yeah, that, and definitely, obviously, like you said, helped us in the standings a long way, a long way there as well. Uh, another result uh, that that happened last night: Sacramento got a one-one draw at home against uh, Oklahoma City Energy FC. Uh, it was an early goal from Cameron Owasa in the first half that got Sacramento going, but it was a late goal, 78th minute, from Christian Veleski that even things up, and you know that That kind of hurts Sacramento a little bit on the back end, just because you know they've kind of pushed forward as far as, you know uh, games played now for the season as they've played twenty two now versus most other teams that have played, you know, between eighteen and twenty for the most part. And now Sacramento, with a draw against a team that's sitting twelfth in the league standings. You know that kind of hurts them a little bit as they as you go forward. Um, you know, you look at some of the stats from this match. It was a 60-40 Sacramento possession advantage. Um, it was you know it was 16 shots to 10, uh, six six shots on target to four, all in, in favor of Sacramento. Um, you know this is this is not good going going for Sacramento moving forward. I mean. You can't beat the teams at the bottom. you know. That's not going to help you keep your, your your standing up towards the top of the standings in the West.
0: No, and um, I know Sac Republic had a better week last week, but um, again, looking like potentially tired legs. Uh, this is starting to be a trend for them where they're giving up late goals. Uh, we saw the match against St. Louis. They were up 2-0. And they uh, give up two late goals there. They give up a late goal in that loss to Fresno. And a late goal here. Um, Credit to to Oklahoma City Energy. I don't think a lot of teams in their position this early in the season would have kept fighting. And, you know, kept it going for this season and given themselves a chance. Um, Not a big chance, but a chance to stay in this playoff conversation because a lot of teams in that situation would have folded. So especially losing a head coach, uh, but they've fought very hard uh, to get back into the conversation. So, you know, tough result for Sacramento, but let's also give OKC some credit. Uh, They've been really scrappy and maybe they have a chance to crawl back into that top eight, which is something we couldn't have even fathomed two months ago.
1: Yeah, that's definitely for sure. Uh, Two matches going on today that will happen after we tape. Uh, Portland is hosting Las Vegas. Swope Park Rangers hosting Rio Grande Valley. So that gets us to the end of this week in the standings. Obviously, there won't be any major changes, you know, with the two games going on right now that will be going on later today. So here are the standings as of the moment. It's Real Monarchs at the top, 41 points off, 20 matches played. Phoenix Rising moves back into second place, 38 points, 20 matches played. It's Orange County in third, 37 points off of 21 matches played. Reno is in fourth, 37 points off of 20 matches played. Sacramento is in fifth, 37 points off of 22 matches played. Swope Park Rangers is in sixth, and they'll stay in sixth uh, with a draw or a a victory. Uh, they're at 31 points on 20 matches played. Portland Timbers two in seventh. Would move to sixth with a win and a Swope Park Rangers loss. Uh, 29 points on 19 matches played. And Colorado Springs currently holds the eighth spot. 28 points on 22 matches played. You get to the bottom half of the table. It's Fresno in ninth. 28 points off of 21 matches played. Uh, Biggest difference there is Colorado has eight wins over seven to Fresno. That's where they get the difference in positioning at the moment. Tenth is San Antonio FC with that big win. 25 points off of 18 matches played, so they have matches in hand. St. Louis is in 11th. That's 23 points off of 19 matches played. Oklahoma City is in 12th, 22 points off of 20 matches played. Uh, it's Las Vegas Lights in 13th. that could jump to as high as 11th if they win today. Uh, 20 points off of 18 matches played. LA Galaxy is in 14th. 19 points off of 19 matches played. Rio Grande is in 15th. 16 points off of 15 matches played. 16th is Tulsa Roughnecks FC. Uh, 12 points off of 19 matches played and rounding out the standings at Seattle Sounders 2 FC uh, 11 points on 18 matches played. Uh, some of the interesting numbers again, to look at here, the split between the top five now and down to sixth is six points could change back to three with a Swill Park win this afternoon, but still there's a little gap there from fifth, Down to eighth is nine points that's a big gap there so obviously it's still looking like your top five even maybe top six are still kind of in the safe zone where they're sitting as far as standings goes obviously the big winner of the week San Antonio FC pulling up to 10th with uh, 25 points three points out of that eighth spot with four matches in hand on Colorado Springs three matches in hand on Fresno who have the same number of points and they have a good schedule going forward they play against Oklahoma City they play against LA Galaxy 2 they have a tough match coming up uh, against Colorado Springs so that's a big six-point match potentially right there uh, you know a swing that that could be go a long ways and seeing where San Antonio fits in. But I think once you get below San Antonio in the standings, I think, again, we've talked about, you're really looking at, you know, you're really fighting to try to scrap to even get to the eighth spot at that point.
0: Yeah. um, You know, kind of, kind of tough season for, you know, a team like a St. Louis where you feel like they've been in a lot of matches and they've given a lot of teams trouble but only five wins on the season, uh, and so they are in a bad spot. Um, you know, big win for San Antonio. I, I think the biggest takeaways from this week are probably that, you know, San Antonio is not in such a bad spot after all. Uh, they're now only three points out of the A spot, and they have good matches coming up. They have a chance to go on a pretty good run. I think three of their next four matches are Colorado Switchbacks at home, LA Galaxy 2 at home, away at Sounders. And I think the fourth match in there is away at OKC, so they can even get a draw from that. Um, So San Antonio should be okay for that top eight. Um, It will be a dogfight for those last spots, but as we've said before, we're starting to get some clarity and some separation between maybe the top five and the rest of the conference. Um, It'll be... Interesting to see if Timbers 2 uh, can maintain this momentum because there are some very dangerous teams at the bottom of that conference and that aren't even in the playoffs right now. Um, you look at a Fresno, you look at a San Antonio, um, and those teams to me are a lot more dangerous than Timbers 2 and switchbacks.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with you, Dominic. I think I think both of those teams could make a make a late season push and get up there into the top eight. Um, it will be a dog fight, but I think I think those two might be a better fighting dogs. Honestly, I mean, I would be I would be more worried by a Fresno or San Antonio than Portland Timbers two or Colorado Springs just from a Phoenix Rising standpoint.
0: Right. Uh, well. With
1: that being said,
0: should we get to supporter section questions, or was there anything we wanted to cover before that?
1: A uh, couple, of, couple of newsy notes uh, to get out there. First of all, congratulations to Carl Wazinski for getting uh, USL Save of the Week this week. Uh, you know, the save uh, that just uh, that came just before. Uh, ending the, the uh, scoreless streak uh, was a beautiful save, and obviously the fans felt that as well. Uh, so congratulations to Carl on that. Uh, the other big little piece of news this week out of the league was uh, Loudoun uh, Virginia will be the next uh, USL club for 2019. Uh, they will be the uh, affiliate for D.C. United. So, again, the league growing uh, I believe that brings it up to 37, I believe, at this point. Um, obviously, there's an announcement coming in the next couple of weeks for, uh, for Austin, Texas. I mean, that's been known that they were going to try to get back in for a couple of years. Uh, they just needed to get the right situation set back up with them. Uh, and they have, obviously, with the the the, uh, the the facility that's going to be built um, at the racetrack of the Americas. So, uh, so that's you know that's the big news out of this week, uh, both from the team and from the league.
0: Pretty interesting stuff. I mean, good good for Carl. Um, and I hadn't heard about that second point. Kyle, did you have any thoughts on that?
2: Um, I mean, I just, I think that, uh, I mean, it's great for the league to grow. And for Carl, I mean, I think it's, he deserves these, all the recognition he's gotten. And I mean, that save of the week, uh, we were talking about it off the air. I think that was the last save of the shutout streak. And I mean, it was, it was a great save. So, I mean, just love seeing the consistency out of him. I think he's, I think he's a goalie that, uh, could stick around Phoenix Rising for a while just because he's put in such great performances and he's a fan favorite. So uh, And yeah, I mean, awesome for Austin. I think the fans there are really, really excited to, to be able to get back in the USL. Yeah, should
0: be, should be exciting to have another team in there. Um, we will save the what's going to happen with alignment and what's happening with D3 for another day because we have a lot of supporter section questions to get to. Um, So are you guys ready for all that? Fire away. All right. So, I mean, first off, thank you to all the fans for being so engaged this week. Um, That's amazing. Before there's even a a serious question, I mean, the first comment we have, uh, more of a great idea than anything else. Uh, This guy, David Rosas at Rosas8 underscore David, I want to start a section 103 Banditos Beer Fund. How do we go about that? Or are there voluntary membership dues donations that we can contribute and info on Red Fury Phoenix as well? Those guys work hard for us. How do we give back? And um, I, I just reached out to uh, Alicia Cardenas and Michael Vanderplas. Uh, those are two big people in each group and uh, I'm sure they will have better answers for that question than I do because uh, none of us are members of Either supporters group, but we definitely appreciate the great things that they do, and uh, hopefully we can get that going because I think that's an amazing idea.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, okay, here's here's another. Um, don't you just love a question that ends up being like a full paragraph? Uh, this comes from <laughs> Harry, um, great listener. I just I only kid. Uh, he's the man. Uh, What has made Rising as one so successful, especially compared to the past history of Phoenix soccer? Is it just the deeper pockets, fans more open to USL? It is a great story to see how successful Phoenix is. And to me, Phoenix is a leader to replace FC Cincinnati as a headliner of USL. And that means a lot because this is a guy I don't know how much you guys know. He's a San Antonio FC fan. He's out of Texas, so uh, doesn't have any reason to any any reason to have a bias in our favor um, so really cool to hear that what, what are you guys thoughts to answer that question or questions uh,
2: I mean I think it is I think it's both of the points that he made I think that the reason why it's so successful deeper pockets has definitely helped because I think with the deeper pockets there's been more promotion of this team i mean it, it, phoenix rising is now recognized you know where we have our merchandise in, in just sports and i mean even at when i'm shopping at sprouts and i see the danison dairy you know there's bottles of that and there all over grocery stores all throughout the valley so i think that with the deeper pockets we've been able to put together a stronger front office than we've ever had before um and I mean, I think the fans as well. I think fans now are a little bit more open to the idea of a second division professional sports team. You know, a lot of people here aren't used to supporting something that isn't fully professional. Um, I mean, we're fully professional, but first division, I should say. So I think that that's another uh, thing, the fact that the fans have embraced that. I think when, when uh, Arizona United was playing on baseball fields, people just didn't see the see the soccer for what it was um, so i think the fact that we have our own stadium now is another huge factor
1: yeah i totally agree with you there i mean the the deep pockets helps i mean obviously you know when when kyling had this club you know before it was sold to burke bikai and his group you know he he was kind of hamstrung to the point of he could only do so much You know, because he could only afford to do so much, you know, with the club. And now that you've got so many different investors of the club that can do so many different things, uh, you know, it's made it um, a world of difference. I mean, like you said, in advertising. Uh, you know, credit credit the club for going out and getting Sam Doerr. No offense, uh, uh, Harry, you know, <laughs> to, to take somebody from, from your club at San Antonio and bring them over here. Sam has just made such a world of difference in going out and doing so many different things. Getting, you know, getting the things hooked up with the different uh, vendors around, around this, you know, state. Uh, you know, doing the work, that whole group has done to get Carvana on as a sponsor for the next three years. Uh, you know, like you said, the Dan size and dairy, you know, now you've got Hickman farms involved. You get Venezia's pizza involved. Uh, you've got now Jameson whiskey is involved with the club. I mean, just time and time and time again, they're making the right decisions and the right moves to prepare themselves for the next, for the next level. And, you know, you bring up another great point about the stadium you know i think if they're still playing in a baseball stadium whether it's in scottsdale whether it's in peoria whether it's wherever it was going to be it's just not the same feeling you come to this complex every game and you just have this feeling of a close-knit family you have this feeling of you're right there on top of the action and fans can't ask for anything better than that i mean you go to these big expansive 30, 40, 50,000 seat stadiums, you just, yeah, you're there to watch the game, but you don't feel like you're part of the action. You come to a game like this at the Phoenix Rising Soccer Complex, and you just feel like you're a part of it. And that's, I think that's what's driven this team to do so well at home this year, you know, is the fact is, You've got the the two supporters sections. You've got these big, huge crowds. I mean, you couldn't ask for anything better than to set another franchise record Friday night for seventy three hundred fans to come to it to come to this game in a hundred and ten degree heat on a Friday night. If you'd have told me that three years ago, I'd have said you're nuts.
0: Yeah. Um, and maybe my my two cents on this question. Um, I'm I'm glad that he brought it up. I think it is just the steps that this ownership group has taken to really give fans a first-class professional experience. Because, you know, a lot of teams, you go around the league and they're playing in baseball stadiums and that's that's great. And some, some places are able to actually make it work and have a pretty decent atmosphere. Um, you know, as much as we rib on, on Vegas, they've actually had pretty good attendance there and and Louisville for sure. They have good attendance at their baseball stadium, but just to give fans that first class professional experience, it starts with the stadium that is soccer specific, that is big enough so that you can have a lot of noise, but small enough that it does feel very tight knit and you get to know the people that are there and you feel like you're part of something um, like a family. I think that's amazing but you know you have to talk about the money that they're able to invest in getting the brand out even before samdor came in 2017 um they were putting up billboards they were reaching out to uh, media outlets to uh, telemundo and univision when omar bravo was part of the team um you people always say you have to pay it forward and you know this ownership group really takes that to heart. They literally do pay things forward. They have an event two months before the 2017 season started for season ticket holders um, to get to know a few of the players, to come and get to know the owners, and that's uh, the first time I met Burke Wakai, and like you see how genuine they are back then. And then to take it to even another level with Sam Dorr, who is just amazing in the community. Um, a couple of our teams here in Phoenix a couple of our pro teams have not been very active in the community. Um, And you don't feel like you're part of something that special uh, when you root for those teams. I won't name names, but um, I think there's at least two organizations that are right on people's minds when that, when I say that. Um, And so to see the difference here where you have ownership that reaches out to everyone that, you know, they're willing to, get tickets for people who have never gone to matches just to give them that experience so that they will come back. I mean, it's it's that kind of going above and beyond. And you see Sam dorr do this time and time again. Um, people want to be a part of that. People want to be part of an organization that cares not just about the on-field results, but about growing in the community, about being engaged. Um, so, I mean, you see that and it just becomes more than a team. You know, it, it becomes something bigger, and I think I think that's why the grassroots for this club are so strong, uh, and why no matter what, whether we get MLS or not, this is going to be a very uh, strong team in the community for many years to come, so. Yeah, well put.
2: I don't know it's just something I feel strong about so
0: <laughs> oh I agree
2: with you I mean that uh, me and Jeff have followed this team since you know Arizona United days and it's I mean even you know when we were the Phoenix Wolves FC to see the progression and to to I mean yeah we always talked about oh how great it would be to have MLS here in Phoenix but I mean now I think people can actually see it happening and can you know it's it's a realistic expectation I think and
0: You know, maybe one other thought on that, too, is, like, them reaching out, doing what it takes to be seen as a professional organization. I mean, no offense to what happened before 2017. Like you were saying, Jeff, uh, Kyle Lang was very restricted with, you know, the money he could spend. But, you see, I saw maybe, like, one or two people with these, you know, red jerseys with Food City as a sponsor. And they play in a baseball stadium. I got invited once in 2016 and it's just, you know, uh, it's out in Peoria and they have Food City as their sponsor and they're at the bottom of the standings and it, it all feels very Bush League. And that's, you know, at that time, USL was D3 and, you know, limited resources and stuff and I get all that. But now you look at us, um, the sponsors we've had the last couple years, uh, Mad Decent last year and then this year, Carvana, um. It just feels bigger. It feels more legitimate, and then everything that they do to get more sponsorships in the community, so that you see the Rising uh, logo on Danzian bottles and everything, just feels more professional. And it's professional, but there's still that there's still that focus on community outreach. So it's a really happy mix.
1: Yeah, it is a very happy mix. I agree.
0: Uh, next, next question is a little bit uh, smaller focus. This comes from Ruben Rivera at Ruben one nine seven three seven six. What will be the biggest key in getting a win at Real Monarchs on Saturday?
1: Well, I think obviously one of the biggest keys is finding the back of the net against a team that that seems to be a very defensive-minded club, especially at home. I mean, that's. It, the play has got to, got to start in the midfield. It's got to start with players like Gladstone, Waco and, and uh, uh, Solomon Asante and, you know, players like that, that can get movement of the ball going. If you can't get the movement going, you're just going to find yourself flat and not, you know, not being able to do much of anything. You're going to just find yourself in a shell for the most part of the match, you know, just trying to fight your way through things the passing is the key i mean if if we can open up lanes i think it creates a lot more chances for these guys you know but if we stick to what we've been doing the last two or three weeks where we've just been struggling to to put things together i think then you're looking at you know whether we get out with a draw or whether we get out, you know, on the on the losing end of a, a, a low-scoring game.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, to get a win, I would say not only finding the back of the net. I mean, we need multiple goals, because I think if we score once we do, Monarchs is going to push and try to, to get one back. So, I mean, as far as Phoenix's standpoint, we're going to need a couple goals, crisp, clean passing, and, solid defense and I mean I think our defense is the least of the worries honestly I think our defense can stand strong and that's why I think me and Jeff both agree that this could be a draw but I mean just our attack as of late seems to have stalled so if we can get that started I think it's possible but I mean it's going to be it's going to be a tough task if if we're able to get a win it would have to be you know our biggest easily our toughest win of the season
0: I I think for me here the biggest thing is get off to a strong start because how many times have we struggled in recent weeks to get out to that start? The only exception really is the Orange County match. And um, other than that, we've had a really tough time. Rail Monarchs is a team that loves to get out to strong starts. They love to pass the ball around the pitch, dominate possession, you know, put up possession numbers in the sixties, dictate the tempo and put a goal in like In the first 20-25 minutes. Um, If we get off to a slow start. They will make us pay. Um, So it's not that we necessarily have to. Dictate the tempo and outpossess them. But you know we have to stand strong. We have to hold our ground. Be smart. And not fall into a hole early on. Basically give ourselves a chance. Because if we're just going to try to sit back there. Absorb possession. um, Like in that in that earlier match, in this like the Swope matches this season, then we're going to have a bad time, and we're going to fall behind and really struggle to get out of that hole. So um, you need to see everyone sharp and ready to go from that very first whistle. If we give ourselves a chance, if we can get into halftime at nil-nil or maybe even put a goal on them, then I think when the second half rolls around, we have a lot of guys with great character, and we can... Uh, we can scrap for it and maybe get those three points. But I'm really concerned that we won't get out to that start. So I think for me, um, first 20, 25 minutes are going to be crucial.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you there. Yeah, I think a, a big start is, is definitely necessary. You know, we we can't – I mean, even if even if we don't score but we get – a few solid chances on on net in that first 20 to 25 minutes. I think that would make us feel a lot better than just sitting back and only maybe getting one or two early chances. You know, we've got like you said, we've got to be on the front foot. We can't we can't dwell on, you know, letting them control the play and taking it to us and then us just kind of just sitting in the middle of the park. I think we got to take it to them early. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it they
2: they're not a team that will, you know, just sit back and and let us take it to them. We're going to have to do it ourselves and press. The one thing that we didn't see against Seattle was was us pressing the other team and we're going to have to see that, I think. We're going to have to have the energy and and that's Dominic brought up a great point. The altitude could be an issue, but I mean, we're in past the midway point of the season. I don't think fitness should be an excuse right now. I think that especially given that they just had, you know, a week off. I think that we should be ready to go and uh I mean the boys they need to they need to perform because this is their like we said this is their best opportunity to to get that number one spot so uh we'd love to see a great performance for
0: sure for sure um next question, another great one this is from Nick at n Perrier 12. Other than the chip, our strikers are not really performing up to par IMO. do we buy someone new? And in parentheses, I'd love a little poacher, same mold as Dan Kelly. Or does Drogba come back and that solves our problems? Seems like we've only been able to grind out ugly wins lately. And only
1: scoring two goals in four matches confirms that. So what are you guys' thoughts? I don't think going out and getting somebody else is really going to make a difference. I mean, you've got to sit there and you've got to hope that that person integrates with the club quick enough to actually, you know, provide what people are looking for you know i think it's just a matter of getting the fo- I, I think it's a matter of getting the focus back to where it was a few weeks ago what were we not what are we doing then that we're not doing now and i think once they figure that out then i think things would will probably start flowing from there you know i think that's where this club really needs to start focusing is didier drug the answer not necessarily i mean you know look at what's happened in his absence. We've, we've done well. We've only lost one game in his absence. So, I mean, it's not like Didier is hurting us by not being on the pitch. I think it's just a matter of we hit a patch here where we've kind of forgotten what we did to get us to where we were. Now they need to go back to the drawing board, look at, okay, what are we not doing in these last three or four games that we did then? if they can figure that out, I think you'll see things will start flowing again, you know, just like they were earlier in the season. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I I don't think the strikers have been underperforming as much as maybe our, our midfield has, honestly, like we were talking about. I think it's our passing that has really kind of gone downhill a little bit. I think that our inability to put together... You know, five, six, seven passes or more than that even has really hurt us because, you know, teams are able to get back, regroup and just knock the ball out. We saw that. I think I want to say that Seattle had something like 15 or 16 clearances the other night. So I think that if if we can put together our passing, then the service to our strikers will come inevitably. Um, I think that it's just all around. I mean, we just need to see more effort, I think, and a better start for sure.
0: Yeah, and I guess going off that, I I really agree. We don't need to bring anyone new in. We have a pretty full roster. Some would say too full for certain guys to get playing time as it is. Um, You look at it, Cortez is in form. He's been amazing. So that's one quality guy right there. Um, Freighter, I think if he got more time would be fine. Um, And then you think about it this way Didier Drogba will basically be a new transfer and we know that these are going to be the last months of Didier Drogba's professional soccer career so I would expect him to be extremely fired up I would expect him to do everything it takes to get a trophy in his last season and um, you know I, I don't think we should be too worried if anything give him as much time as he needs to fire on all cylinders in this home stretch. I'm sure that, um, last year's playoff match is still on his mind. You know, the fact that he gave us that clutch goal in the playoff match and then, you know, still were on the losing end because, you know, he was down in the box and the ref didn't stop play. So I'm sure that that, I'm, I'm sure that that still gets to him at times. And so I'm sure he's going to come out guns blazing, trying to make sure that doesn't happen this year. Um, so if you, if you have Drogba and Cortez, and you have so many goal-scoring options, Jason Johnson can put goals in. He had some great chances, brought a lot of great energy um, in last night's match, and I think was very unlucky to not score at least a goal. Um, and Freighter is even another option. I, I, don't think, I don't think another striker here is the answer. Just uh, keep doing what you have to do, and I think the goals will come. So, going to our next question, because we had so many of these, um, holy smokes, one second here. i got to go back to the original thread, because the, uh, the beer request one is a very popular one. Um, okay, here's another question, and this is very topical. This comes from The Ghost of Luke Rooney. Will Drogba come back in time for the Real match? A lot of moving parts behind the scenes of our MLS bid right now. Do you have any insider info? Where do you think we stand currently? I've seen sort of mixed reactions to the AZ Central interview with Dole and what it means. Headline didn't help. So that's another, another paragraph question.
1: Questions. <laughs> yeah.
0: um, guys, we love you, but man, just ask a couple different questions. I like, I like <laughs> Justin Viber's style. He had a couple different questions. Um, but yeah I guess where do we start probably with the Drogba part and I I don't really see that being likely um, he probably is just getting back to Phoenix right now if he's even back and you know last year when he was out for an extended time he needed to train for a couple of weeks before he was fully uh, ready to go so I, I imagine our team will take time with that Yeah, if I had to give a date for what date would be most likely to see him back in the lineup i would look at phoenix rising against orange county on august 11th i think that gives him a little bit more time to prepare and i think that he would definitely be ready to go at that point and then he would be in the lineup in las vegas which i think is something he would want to do so i think that probably makes more sense as opposed to first match back in two months and you're playing at almost 5,000 feet altitude.
1: Yeah, I would agree with you on that. I I kind of followed along the similar timelines as you. You know, like you said, it, it takes two. Or, it would take two or three weeks to get back. So that's obviously, you know, you're missing the the Monarchs match. You're missing the the match the first Saturday of of August. So yeah, that that definitely puts you second second week of August. You know. Even if he doesn't even make that match, then, yeah, maybe he's back for Vegas at that point. You know, I think that's a, that's a definitely a good timeline, you know, for him. You know, if you put him out there right now, you're going to risk the injury. And if you're going to risk the injury, then you're going to risk losing him for the rest of the season. I would rather give him some time to get himself prepared, get himself ready. You know, he probably hasn't done a whole lot of training in the last month, being that he's been over in Russia doing television maybe he's done a little bit of you know some lifting maybe or whatever the case may be but obviously not to the full extent of what he may have done at the beginning of the season so yeah it's going to take time for him to get back you know I think three weeks and even four weeks is 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 being you know probably pretty generous as to saying that's the time when he'll be ready to go
2: yeah yeah I, I agree with both you guys I think we've seen in the past i don't think Drogba will come in immediately i mean even when he when he transferred to phoenix it took a little time for him to finally uh to get on the field um yeah i mean i think it'll take a few weeks i mean for me the one match that uh yeah i mean i could see him coming on in vegas and then i i think we will need his leadership in that uh what is it august 22nd midweek match against san antonio at home i think there that'll be a match where uh We'll definitely need the Drogba effect.
0: Yeah, that would be a big six-pointer. I think another part of that um, that timeline for Drogba, and it it might even tie into the MLS stuff, is that we are going to be meeting with um, with people in New York uh, in New like by by the end of this month, and then I think that for the MLS All-Star match we're going to be over there, too, and I imagine that Drogba would be a part of at least one of those meetings, if not both, and so I can't really see Drogba, like, being in New York City or Atlanta at the end of July and then playing that weekend, so uh, maybe he can start training before then, but then he would probably need a little bit more time, so maybe August 11th, August 18th would be a realistic uh, return date. And then, as as far as as far
1: as the MLS stuff, Jeff, what were your thoughts on that? Well, let me let, you know to to answer sort of his question about the the AZ Central article, um, I was just looking at it here for for a couple of minutes before uh, you had even brought the topic up, and you know just reading this story, I I struggle to. I, I agree with, with with him as far as, you know, the headline is not right on this on this story, first of all. It's, this is basically a sit-down interview with Bobby Dooley, you know, saying where they're at, where they want to be, and, you know, what their hope is. You know, it doesn't – this is, a, again, another one of these articles that really doesn't give you a lot of detail. I mean, they talk about how it's great – you know, how it was great that – we had thirty-seven thousand people on a Thursday night go see Manchester United and Club America in Glendale. Follow that up with another seventy three hundred who went to see the match Friday night out out at the Phoenix Rising Soccer Complex. And how you have other options like the D backs were in town. There was a concert going on downtown, and yet you can still draw, you know, a full building out there. You know, but as you go through this, you know, there's there's this article You know, it's there's nothing new that you don't already know. You know, the pop up stadium was built in 2016, you know, or it was secured. You know, they secured Diplo, they secured Drogba, you know, they're trying to get to MLS, you know, but it's, you know, this story is nothing that nobody doesn't know already. What we know as of recent, you know, is basically what Dominic just said. They're going to New York to meet with the MLS executives. They're going to meet with MLS executives at the All-Star Game. They're going to give them an update as to where they're at as far as the process of everything. Hopefully they have some sort of plan in place as far as the stadium goes location-wise. Maybe they don't, maybe they're, maybe they're close, but they're waiting on a couple elements. We don't know all the answers to those questions, you know, but for the most part, you know, for those of you that are listening, take this Arizona central article with a, with a grain of salt, because this is, you know, this story is nothing new that you don't already know. It's just basically the, uh, the, columnist getting a chance to sit down with Bobby Dooley and just having a you know a one-on-one chat with him that's that's what i get out of reading this piece it's you know it's just nothing new to me that i think what people want nowadays is they want the latest information this just didn't do it for me or anybody else i don't think for that matter
0: yeah and you know there's nothing wrong with this type of piece it's easy central so it's good exposure it's it's probably more just for the you know the casual observer who's maybe heard of the team once or twice hasn't really thought too much of it um you know maybe uh you know maybe like parents with a couple of young kids and uh you know they'll they just haven't really heard of soccer before in the area, and so for them this is new information for a lot of readers this very well could be new information, but I think everyone listening to this show uh knows about everything that this article is talking about. If anything, um, I feel like there's a quote in here that's a little bit misleading. Um, Phoenix is in consideration for one of the next spots, but the competition will be thick. And it mentions Charlotte, Indianapolis, San Diego, and St. Louis are among cities putting together bids. I feel like those three in that list are not even taking it very seriously right now. So that's, that's a little misleading. And then, the one quote that I did see that was a little bit eyebrow raising is our goal is to get everything firmed up within the year so they can have all the information they need to give us what we deserve here in the state of Arizona now you may remember last month we were talking about you know they were trying to get everything in at least a location by the end of this month so kind of interesting that now the quote is, everything firmed up within the year. But that's a very broad quote. He could be talking about have our entire MLS bid and even be accepted by the end of the year. So that by the end of this year we will be announced as the next team. I mean, it's a a broad quote and I wouldn't take too much from it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those where you can, you know, you can try and look into the into the quote too much and you know get lost a little bit i think you know he's just uh playing his cards close to his best probably
0: yeah yeah definitely so let's go to another question and this one comes from uh we're almost done here with these questions we've had some great ones though this one comes from justin vibber he says coach has had his guys as they say in the street but some would say that's not cutting it anymore could we see a starting 11 shakeup? Who do you think breaks through? Um, I know, Jeff, you were talking earlier about not seeing too many changes for next week. Um, maybe just Kavon Lambert returns to the lineup. I think the one thing that is curious here is, do we see Billy Forbes get more run in the starting 11? I think it's a possibility.
1: Yeah, I think it's a, po- I think it's a possibility too. I mean, especially, you know, with... You know, if, if the plan for Saturday is to open up the game and to get some more speed out on the wings, then I think you've got to go to Billy Forbes. You know, then then I think you've either got to bring off a Kavon Lambert or bring off a James Musa, you know, and change the formation a little bit that way. I don't like you said, I don't think you bring off Gladson Awako at this point, because I think he's done a little bit more lately to help control things in the center of the pitch. Now the question becomes, have we gone too far with Solomon Asante to where maybe he needs a break? Maybe we bring on an Alessandro Regi, you know, and, and look at something like that. I don't know. You know, that's, a, you know, that could be an interesting thought, but I, I don't think you even take Solomon Asante off the pitch at this point, just because of the effort that he's given you, you know, throughout the season. But I think, I think you need to set yourself up in a position where uh where you know if something's not going right early you've got to make a change quick enough you know to keep you know the flow of everything going you know i i, I think like we said speed is going to i think be a huge factor in this match saturday night
0: yeah i i agree there um and and maybe another thing to think about when Justin brings this question up is In all likelihood, Drogba will be in our lineup in the next month. And so, when Drogba returns the lineup, what do you see us doing with all of these attacking bodies? Because I feel like Cortez has been in too good of a form to just say, Alright, Drogba's back, back to the bench. But, do you keep Cortez up? If you keep him up, then you probably have to bring Drogba maybe probably as like a uh, central attacking midfielder role, and so then that, you probably have to take Iwako out at that point unless Iwako moves back and knocks someone else out, then you have Asante on one wing and then do you put Johnson on that left wing, do you put Billy Forbes there, do you like switch them so that one is always replacing the other Um, because Johnson without Drogba has had like a little bit more opportunity to become a bigger attacking threat. I think earlier in the season, he was not always getting the minutes that he deserved. Um, just because there were so many bodies and someone has to be a casualty. And so it's a fair question. What are we going to do when Drogba comes back?
2: Yeah. I mean, and that's, I mean, I think we will definitely see more rotation. Um, One player that I I mean, I know in the past we used to see him substituted for Drogba was was Jason Johnson. And I wonder if, you know, if we don't see a lot out of him over the next couple weeks, if maybe that's the case. Um, But I mean, I think I think regardless, I mean, we're blessed with with all the players we have. And I mean, even if a guy isn't starting, I think we'll see him get on regularly as a substitute because, you know, we we have such a deep team that we got to give some guys on the bench opportunity too.
0: Yeah, and I guess, Jeff, tell me if I'm crazy, but I think probably the ideal first team starting lineup, like the one that I would want to see most in playoffs, depending on the matchup, would be, you know, Billy Forbes and Asante on the wings. Cortez is the number nine in the middle. And then Drogba right behind as that central attacking mid. Um, Because there's just so much speed on those wings, and both those guys could get good deliveries into the box and then you have Cortez and Drogba just two massive bodies in the middle uh, that can take advantage of those uh, opportunities that get set up by Asante and Forbes and then you would probably want to bring Johnson on as a sub because I don't think there's enough space in the lineup for all five of them and then maybe if Forbes gets hurt you can put Johnson on that left wing but I think I think if Drogba's in you have to have
1: Cortez Asante and Drogba, right? I yeah, I I totally agree with you on that. You know, and then you look at, you know, not only bringing in Jason Johnson in as a sub, but I think I think you even go a step further and you you know, if if Asante's starting to struggle on the other side, then I think you bring Alessandro Ricci in at that point. You know, I as much as I like Kevon Freighter, you know, I don't, you know, Freighter would be the Freider would be the answer for Cortez up top if he you know, if he kinda loses you know, or or you could take and move Drogba up to the top and then bring a Waco in and let him settle in the center, center of the park. You know as much as I would love to see Kavon Freder be a part of the mix, I just don't think he would be I think he would be the odd man out when you you know, when you get to Drogba coming back, I think he's the one that may end up suffering the most out of this.
2: Yeah. I, I mean you're totally right because I, I don't see him overtaking Chris Cortez in his role right now and you wonder where where Freider could fit. I mean, I think I mean he's a great guy to have on the bench. Um, I'm sure there will be a time when we have to call on him, but I mean he just he hasn't put output enough uh Goal, goal scoring or even opportunity I think so far when he's uh, had his opportunities on the field
0: Right, I mean, I think everyone loves him, I think he's a great person he has a great personality and I'm sure he can be an impact player for most likely another team next season unless uh, unless we get some big changes coming this off offseason um, but yeah, I'm with you guys there's, uh, there's not enough Space for him to really like, you know, make too much of an impact once Drogba returns, and you, you know, it's a tough, it's a tough game. But when you have those opportunities, you have to take it. And um, there have been a couple times end of matches where he's been set up, and there's either a save or, you know, it's just not quite on target. And um, at the end of this match against Sounders too, he had a couple opportunities where his second touch he could have easily lobbed the keeper. The keeper was turned around. He was looking the wrong way. And you just got to have confidence in yourself to chip the keeper like Cortez had confidence because there was a lot of open space. There was a window there. And then even later on, when he's coming and the keeper is desperately charging, if he rolls the ball towards the left post, there's no chance the keeper can cover that left post. Um, So he can roll that or drill it left post. Um, but he he tried to go right, and I think that's just, you know, not having the confidence. And you know, as much as we love him, you got to put the guys in that are going to take those chances. So.
2: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's frustrating, I'm sure, for him. Um, and I mean, it's it's not to knock him, like you said. I mean, he's I'm sure he's a great person, and it's just it's tough when uh, when you don't get those opportunities to fall for you.
0: Right, right, right. And our last question comes from Mark Murray at Miracles. Uh, this is a great question. I think this is a great one to end on. Who do you not want to play in the first round of the playoffs at this moment? For me, there are a few teams that come to mind. Um, for me, as far as a first-round matchup, I think you got to look at San Antonio and you got to look at Fresno and you got to be sweating bullets about the thought of playing either of those teams because I think either of those teams in a one-off in the playoffs can beat anyone in this conference. Um, I mean, San Antonio just took Monarchs down 4-2, and Fresno took down... They've taken us down bad. They beat Swope really nicely. Um, They've beaten Sacramento recently. Those are terrifying teams because those are teams that have quality talent at a lot of positions. And, you know, especially in San Antonio's uh, case, they have Diego Restrepo, who was USL keeper of the season last year. Um, And so in the playoffs, when goalkeeping matters so much, that would be a very tough matchup. Um, Because we, with Fresno, we know how they've played us, and they've played us very tough. With San Antonio, we don't have anything yet. Because we haven't played them yet this season, but based on how they played us last year, they limited our opportunities. were are very opportunistic. Um, both the both of those teams scare me a lot um, in a potential home first-round matchup. More, much more than like Colorado Springs, much more than Timbers Two, even more than Swope Park or Sacramento or Orange County. I, I mean, I feel like, yeah, those teams are tough, but I think we can beat them, especially at home um but fresno san antonio those scare me and then further down the road i think monarchs away would be tough and um reno would be tough not that we can't beat them but it
1: would be it'd be tough yeah i i kind of tend to agree with your your assessment there dominic um you know, Fresno is definitely a team to be worried about. San Antonio definitely a team to be worried about. We haven't seen Timbers two yet, so I can't you know, it's it's kinda hard to, to say whether they're still gonna be there, you know, when we get to that point, you know, in the season. But I, I do worry a little bit about Swope. I mean what they've done to us in the past, what they've done to us this year you know yeah if we got them on 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 our home field I think we would take care of them a little bit better than than we would on the road you know but they're a team that that just they seem to you know in the last couple of years even in playoffs you know they're a team that takes these one offs and, and really you know plays to their strengths and their advantages you know in those types of games so you know that would be if there is another team to worry about other than the than the two that you brought up right off the bat. I think it would it would be Swope.
2: Yeah, I mean, you guys you guys took all the teams that I was gonna gonna mention. I mean, yeah, first round, I think San Antonio would be the. I mean, you know, given if we finish in second, I think uh, San Antonio would be the most dangerous first round opponent. And then, yeah, Reno or or Swope. I mean, those those two teams, both of them. I mean, Swope just has seems to have had our number. And, I mean, even Reno. You know, we we just squeaked by with a, a 1-0 win up there in Reno this year, and uh, we've yet to play them at home. So, I mean, they're going to be a tough team, I think, and, I mean, very dangerous in the playoffs. Yeah, so
0: thank you for that great question, uh, Mark Miracles. For me, I, I would actually say Fresno is the most dangerous, the team that I really don't want to play in the first round because – um, knowing what they can do knowing that they have that high pressing style and then they have capable goal scores that um, it's a dangerous mix but in any case we can uh, wrap up supporter section questions thank you so much to all the fans for being awesome this week for firing those questions in um, we would also like to thank our sponsor the Arizona Sports Complex uh, located in Glendale they have air conditioning and they have leagues available for people of all ages. So definitely get up there, let them know that Rising is one sent you, and receive a discount on annual membership. Um, do you guys have anything before we go to final thoughts?
1: Nah, I think I'm. Let's let's bring it on. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm good.
0: All right. Who wants to go first? Final thoughts.
2: Uh, I can go. I mean, I I just, I mean, I think it it wasn't a pretty win this week, but we got the result we needed. And I mean, that I think that shows the overall uh, attitude and just the hard work that this club's willing to put in. I mean, they all recognized that that Fresno performance was was just not up to par. I mean, it it was just unacceptable. You know, I mean, and that's going to happen in sports. You know, some nights are just nothing's going to go your way and it sure didn't in fresno but i think you know i think in previous seasons we could have seen a 1-1 draw or even just a 0-0 um last friday i think to for chris cortez just to have that little individual bit of brilliance to be able to pull out that goal was huge and i mean we've seen the development of him but i mean we've said it every week you know we just need to keep taking this week by week and keep doing what we've been doing and moving forward because it's getting us the results we need and it's it's keeping us in the in the race for the western conference championship so i mean we just need to keep putting in the hard work the team seems to be getting you know slowly i think they're getting back to the form that that we were in in june i i hope um and i mean I i think that just even a draw against monarchs could go a long way into continuing that i think a loss even a loss, I think it won't be the end of the earth because, I mean, we know what we're coming up against. This is a top-class opponent that uh, we can't make any mistakes or we could be punished. Um, so, I mean, as far from, the, from the standpoint of the team, just keep doing what they've been doing. And, I mean, for for the fans and everyone that listens to the podcast, I mean, just, just enjoy this. I mean, I, this is, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is our first opportunity for Phoenix to ever get into first place in the West. So just to be there is great. And I mean, we just got to keep up, keep up the support because I mean, it, it, when the team needs it, I mean, we're always there. And I think that's, that's what is able to make us so strong at home. So, uh, yeah, just keep it going.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, echo your sentiments there. You know, it was, you know, it wasn't quite the result we were looking for. You know, we got what we needed though uh you know got the three points we'll we'll take that put it in the bank and move forward um you know we've circled this match two three months ago and and knew how important this match was going to be you know the biggest things like we've talked about you know the you know we want to see these guys get back on track we want to see you know obviously everybody wants to see you know goals scored left and right and we know at times that that's that's not going to happen we've hit the dog days of summer here and you know for the first time in in three or four years we can actually sit here and say we have a strong team going into the middle part of the season um, you know we've we we've touched on it a number of times throughout this show this week, you know. Just get back to the basics of what they were doing that got them there. I think if they get back to the basics, they'll find their way through this match. They'll find their way to a victory in this match. You know, going back to the the, the basics of what got them there. Um, you know, but I you know I agree with you completely, Kyle. You know, a, a draw is not going to hurt us any, and even a a, a slight loss will be something that you know it's not going to be the end of the world it's not going to hurt us too much you know so I think we can focus positively that way there
0: yeah and I I think uh the great the great thing that I just want to talk about in my closing thought is you know cheers to all the fans of soccer in Phoenix um this is about as good a time as there's ever been to be a soccer fan in Phoenix um you know a club record attendance at our match on Friday over 7300 in attendance which in the dog days of summer is pretty incredible um we got to see the Man U club america match and almost 38000 at that match and i know i know a lot of people from outside of here were trying to say that that was a low number that uh that was a disappointing number but um you know, considering that it, it wasn't the strongest Man you side, I think that's actually a pretty good uh, showing for soccer in the Valley. Um, so things are, things are great in the Valley right now, especially for soccer fans. Um, even if the World Cup is over, we still have our team, and we still have our quest to bring that USL Cup home. And I think it's just going to keep picking up in the next weeks and months to come. Um, it seems like excitement is at an all time high. And uh, as a fan in this valley, it's just very refreshing, very cool to see. So um, I think that's, you know, fans of soccer in the valley are the real MVPs this week. Um, and hopefully we get to see a lot of you guys watching the Monarchs match on Saturday um, at one of the watch parties, ideally, because um, I'll try to make it to one of those. Um, so yeah just just super cool great time to be a fan possibly the greatest time to be a fan and um that's you guys are the mvps so thanks well i think that does it unless you
2: guys have anything else nope i'm good no i'm i'm good just looking forward to this uh to this upcoming match
0: All right, that makes all three of us excited for it. So, without further ado, thank you for for listening, and as always, go rising.
1: Go rising. Go rising.
0: to thank our sponsor roughneck scarves roughneck scarves is the official scarf supplier for mls usl and u.s soccer so be sure to go to roughneckscarves.com and get some of their products we hope you enjoyed the show